Today on the Matt Wall Show, Joe Biden's coronavirus advisor is on the record saying that everyone is better off dying at the age of 75. Seems like a rather serious conflict of interest there. Also, five headlines, including brave feminists remaining silent as prosecutors drop sexual assault charges against Jacob Blake as part of a plea deal. And also, the mayor of D.C. is the latest Democrat mayor to break her own quarantine rules. This is happening a lot. She's the latest one. Apparently, she gets to be an exception, she explained. And in our daily cancellation, I must cancel uh, many states across our union for the sins that they've committed. This has nothing to do with the election. It's just, it's much more serious than that, in fact. Um, all of that is on the way. But, but first, a message from LifeLock. You know, current events have pro proven that now more than ever, it's critical to protect your online data. Uh, this could be challenging, especially for people who find it hard to work at home. You know, I've been working at home, not now, but I did that for a long time and it's difficult to do. Hotels are advertising daytime room reservations for guests seeking quiet, distraction-free work environments. But according to the FBI, accessing sensitive information from hotel Wi-Fi poses an increased security risk over home Wi-Fi networks because more people, of course, have access to it. Hackers can exploit lax hotel Wi-Fi security to steal work and personal data. So it's important to understand how cybercrime and identity theft are affecting your lives today, all of our lives. It's one of the ways, it's many other ways as well. Every day we put our information at risk on the internet and you could miss certain identity threats if you're just monitoring your credit, doing things like that. That's why it's great there's LifeLock. LifeLock detects a wide range of identity threats like your social security number being for sale on the dark web. And if they do detect your information that's potentially been compromised, they're gonna send you an alert and they're gonna let you know. Um, it's, uh, it's, you know, it's, Now's the time, now's probably the best time for us to start thinking about protecting our information. We know that we have to be prepared um, for, for, for whatever you know, life throws at us. And uh, like I said, I've, I've done this myself. I've been at the, I've been at the hotel rooms, you know, just last week I was doing it. And, uh, and I, it did occur to me then how vulnerable we pretend, potentially are. Look, no one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses. But LifeLock can see threats that you might miss on your own. So join now, save 25% off your first year. And you can do that by going to lifelock.com slash Walsh. That's lifelock.com slash Walsh for 25% off. All right. Now, if Joe Biden ultimately does win the presidency, and we must stress, as always, the if here, but if he does, we're going to experience the significant drawbacks of having the anti-life party lead a pandemic response. Of course, we've already seen this at the state level. We know what that looks like. They sent COVID patients into nursing homes because they didn't value the lives of the elderly. Uh, they shut down businesses, destroyed people's lives, livelihoods and lives, because they didn't care about the lives they destroyed that way either. Of course, the people who advocated these measures, they always claimed that they were the pro-life ones, right? And we're the fake pro-lifers because we objected to the shutdowns. What they didn't understand or pretended not to understand is that being pro-life also means caring about quality of life. It's not just a matter of preserving a person's mere existence. There is more to living than simply not dying. All of that said, it's important to remember that the quality of life phrase can also be used by advocates for the culture of death who argue for, for example, mercifully killing those who they have decided do not have quality of life or will not have it should they be allowed to live. So we'll have more on that in just a minute, but that's, that's, the point is that's not what I mean when I say quality of life. The anti-life party, though, um, they can't discern these distinctions. 
We saw that as well when the rioting hit and they let the mobs run wild, burning and looting at will. Because the human cost, the human loss, didn't register in their minds. All of this becomes more pronounced when you take it to a national scale, into the White House. Which brings us to Ezekiel Emanuel. Okay, he's a, an oncologist and a so-called bioethicist. He's also been appointed to be one of Joe Biden's very crucial coronavirus advisors. Now, remember that coronavirus disproportionately kills those who are 75 and older, which is why it caused so much decimation when Andrew Cuomo knowingly introduced it into nursing homes. 75 and older. That's the age range. Now, look at the article that Ezekiel Emanuel wrote not all that long ago, back in 2014, for The Atlantic. His article says, it's titled, Why I Hope to Die at 75, an argument that society and families and you will be better off if nature takes its course swiftly and promptly. Yes, you will be better off not existing if you've already existed for more than 75 years. Ezekiel, Ezekiel Emanuel has drawn the line in the sand. Nobody should exist past this age. And he's come up with the age. He has determined the point. When the lights have to be switched off and the party has to end. Sorry, guys. Now, personally, I would say that God is the one who comes up with that age, and it's different for everybody. But as we have seen throughout history, and especially in our culture today, if you don't accept that there is a God, you get to be one, and you get to be the one who comes up with these sorts of rules. So here's some of what the article says. It says, a simple truth that many of us seem to resist. Living too long is a loss. It renders many of us, if not disabled, then faltering and declining, a state that may not be worse than death, but is nonetheless deprived. It robs us of our creativity and ability to contribute to work, society, the world. It transforms how people experience us, relate to us, and most important, remember us. We are no longer remembered as vibrant and engaged, but as feeble, ineffectual, even pathetic. By the time I reach 75, I will have lived a complete life. I will have loved and been loved. My children will be grown in the midst of their own rich lives. I will have seen my grandchildren born and beginning their lives. I will have pursued my life's projects and made whatever contributions, important or not, I am going to make. And hopefully, I will not have too many mental and physical limitations. Dying at 75 will not be a tragedy. Now, if you're not sufficiently horrified just yet, he later talks about what sort of medical care he thinks we should accept after the age of 75. Here's some of that. He says, what about simple stuff? Flu shots are out. Certainly, if, they were, if there were to be a, a flu pandemic, a younger person who has yet to live a complete life ought to get the vaccine or any antiviral drugs. A big challenge is antibiotics for pneumonia or skin and, ur and urinary infections. Antibiotics are cheap and largely effective in carrying infections. It's really hard for us to say no. Indeed, even people who are sure they don't want life-extending treatments find it hard to refuse antibiotics. But as Osler reminds us, unlike the decays associated with chronic conditions, death from these infections is quick and relatively painless. So no to antibiotics. All right. So to recap, Joe Biden's coronavirus advisor does not think life is worth living at 75, after 75, doesn't see the, doesn't see the death of someone 75 or over to be tragic. Doesn't think that uh, people that age should be accepting flu shots or even antibiotics. At least he doesn't think he should accept them after 75, though I'm sure his opinion will likely change on that score once he is 75, if he has, according to him, the misfortune of making it that far. Now, call me crazy, but I think there might be a conflict of interest here. 
The guy advising the president on how to deal with a disease that mostly kills the elderly doesn't actually think it's a problem if the elderly are killed. In fact, he sees it as a net positive for society and even for the person who dies. And keep in mind that the president himself, if the president becomes, is, is Joe Biden, then the president himself will be over the age of 75. So that has to be awkward to be advised by someone who thinks you should be dead. Though in fairness, it seems like Trump ran into that problem a lot as well. Perhaps a built-in hazard of the presidency, I don't know. Even so, there are two important points to uh, be made here. Number one, this man is a bioethicist. And you'll notice how bioethicists, medical ethicists, ethicists in general these days are a bit hamstrung by the fact that they don't see human life as inherently meaningful or valuable. Ethics is all about developing a moral system or a code to govern our behavior and our interactions with each other and the world. But the most fundamental principle that ought to govern our behavior towards others is our recognition of their inherent value and their human dignity. If you have no such recognition, your ethics will be perverse. And often you will arrive at ethical conclusions that are exactly the opposite of correct. So you probably wouldn't want a, a suicidal nihilist as your skydiving instructor. So you shouldn't want them as our, we shouldn't want them as our professional ethicists either. Though skydiving instructors are quite a bit more crucial to society than professional ethicists anyway. We could probably do without professional ethicists in general, especially ones that think our grandmothers should be dead. Second point is that, again, the Democrat Party is the party of death. This is the party that, after all, has facilitated, funded, supported, cheered on the mass slaughter of 60 million infants. Calling them the party of death is not hyperbole. They have earned that label. They have earned it with the blood of many dead children. And the fact is that they don't see the destruction of life as objectively wrong or immoral. They object only when such objections are politically useful. So they weep, for example, over somebody like George Floyd, a convicted violent criminal. But blood is shed by the bucketful every day in the cities they manage, the cities they ostensibly control. They don't seem terribly distressed by it. Now we're threatened with the possibility of these people taking over our pandemic response. And we're already seeing what direction that will go. And it's not good, to put it lightly. All right, let's get to our five headlines. You know, uh, we, we don't know what's going to happen in the future. If we've learned nothing in 2020, we've learned that. There's a lot that happened in 2020 that I don't think anyone predicted. Uh, I, if you did predict it, then I hope you won a lot of money on all the bets you must have put down. But you can't, most people, most people, unless you're, unless you, uh, you know, can see it to the future, we don't know. That's why you need to be prepared. And now is a, a better time than any to be prepared with long-term nutritional food options. And that's where ReadyWise comes in. ReadyWise has many options like emergency meals. Uh, they've got freeze-dried fruits and vegetables for convenient, on-the-go nutrition. We've also got these new adventure meals, which I've tried. Uh, if you're hiking or camping, you like outdoor activities, then you want to grab some of those. Um, a lot better than the typical like energy bars that you pick up at, at, uh, at the, the drugstore. ReadyWise makes being prepared simple and affordable. You can order online, have nutritious meals shipped directly to your doorstep. But here's something to keep in mind. With the increased demand, supplies are limited and some items may be currently out of stock. What that means is act now, go now to the website, get the, your, your ReadyWise meals. When government resources are strained, it can be days, if not weeks, before fresh food is available. Don't put yourself in a situation when you need food during an emergency. You know, by that time, it might be too late. Prepare today. ReadyWise makes being prepared simple and affordable. You can order online. You can have nutritious meals shipped directly to your doorstep. 
When preparing our meals, all you need is uh, four cups of water. Water doesn't even need to be hot, okay? It's all you need to have is just running water. You simply pour the food into water, stir and cover. After about 15 minutes, the meal is ready. Some meals can even be prepared directly in the pouch, eliminating the need for additional supplies. Uh, and so it's just, it's really easy to do. And also the food tastes good. And, but, but listen, you, you have to be prepared now. Once the emergency happens, it's too late. And then you're gonna be saying, oh, I wish we had done this. I wish we had gotten prepared. It's too late then, so go now. And then I'll make it easy for you. This week, my listeners can get free shipping at readywise.com when entering Walsh at checkout, or you can call 855-475-3089. ReadyWise has a 90-day, no questions asked return policy, so there's no risk here taking the initiative. Get yourself and your family prepared today. That's ReadyWise, R-E-A-D-Y-W-I-S-E.com, promo code Walsh, to get free shipping today. All right, um, number one here, the Daily Wire reports, Kenosha prosecutors have dropped the sex assault charges against Jacob Blake following a plea agreement. Um, Blake pleaded guilty. Now, Jacob Blake, of course, he was the, uh, he's the, the man in Kenosha, who was shot by police officers as he was uh, as you know, police officers were called to the scene? He was allegedly uh, harassing um, a, a woman who also had accused him of, of of raping her, and he had a knife. He assaulted the cops. He tried to get into a car, not his car. He tried to get into the woman's car uh, with his kids in there. They tried to stop him. They told him to stop. He reached into the car, and then they shot. So that was the the recap on that. But he had these sex assault charges. Uh, again, the woman whose house he was at had accused him of sexual assault. Now, prosecutors are dropping those charges uh, as part of a plea agreement, right? Blake pleaded guilty to two counts of disorderly conduct in order to get the third-degree sexual assault charge dropped. Blake told Judge Brian Schroeder, Honestly, Your Honor, though I plead guilty to this, I don't consider myself to be guilty. I pretty much took this opportunity to get to see my children quicker. Blake also said he did not sexually assault the woman making the allegations against him. Blake's attorney said dropping the charge meant prosecutors were acknowledging that ultimately the state could not prove it in court. Uh, Walworth County District Attorney Zeke Weidenfeld told the outlet that the sexual assault charge was dropped in part because the accuser refused to cooperate with prosecution. Yeah, well, of course she refused to cooperate. And the fact that they didn't, they, you know, they didn't have evidence to prove it in court does not at all mean it didn't happen. These are very, we, we have to keep, remember this, these are extremely credible charges against Jacob Blake. The reason why they're extremely credible is because his accuser called police the morning that this incident happened. She said that Jacob Blake broke into her window at like 6 a.m. on, a, I think, a Sunday morning and walked into a room where she was sleeping and sexually assaulted her and then stole her keys, her car, and her credit card and left. She, she called 911 and she was trembling and crying. She was still in her, you know, in her, in her nightgown and they came and they saw her there crying and, and obviously traumatized. Um, I would call that an extremely credible accusation. This, is, this isn't one of those accusations. Somebody comes out of the woodwork, woodwork, you know, 30 years later. This is at the moment calling police. This is what happened to me. Uh, she's not cooperating. Okay. Of course, she's not cooperating. Her alleged abuser, who, by the way, she says has been abusing her for years, not just that one time, for years, she said. Um, and he's been lionized, canonized by the media, by the Democrat Party. 
the, the potential new president of the United States went and met with Jacob Blake's family and Jacob Blake himself and was singing his praises afterwards. So all of the most powerful people, put yourself in this woman's position. Uh, assuming that her allegations are true, which I absolutely believe her. Believe all women? No, we don't believe all women. I believe this woman because the allegations are credible. Put yourself in her position. You are viciously assaulted by this man. And now, and, and then a few months later, he comes, steals your keys. You're trying to protect him from, you know, your, your kids. Uh, gets himself shot in the, after assaulting police. And now all the most powerful voices in, in society are coming to his defense and saying he's a great guy. He's a great father, even. What is she supposed to do? She comes out and tries to get this guy locked away. Um, she's going to be worried for her own safety. She's going to be worried about, uh, about you know, being dragged through the mud. So you, you, you can definitely see where she's coming from there. But where are the feminists on this? This, this is something where, you know, you would think feminists would, would come out and come to this woman's defense. I haven't heard anything. And we have seen this, whether it's with Jacob Blake, George Floyd. You know, there have been at least three or four cases just in the last few months of BLM making martyrs and heroes and, and canonizing uh, men who have abused women in horrible ways. And those women are silenced. Nobody talks about them. Nobody cares about them. Feminists not coming to their, def to their defense. Because feminists are, of course, disingenuous phonies in almost every single case. Number two, Governor Cuomo, speaking of disingenuous phonies, was on with George Stephanopoulos, who, by the way, Stephanopoulos is apparently lobbying to be Alex Trebek's replacement. That's another update here. I mean, he's not lobbying Cuomo. I don't think Andrew Cuomo makes that decision. But He's lobbying to get on Jeopardy, be the new replacement for, for Jeopardy. Talk about, a, talk about a step down in quality. I mean, you go from the most likable guy in America to one of the most insufferable goobers in America. That is, that's a very steep drop in quality, losing Trebek and ending up with this guy. It's like remaking a John Wayne movie and casting, like, I don't know, Kate McKinnon in his role or something, which... I don't want to give Hollywood ideas. That sounds like something they would actually do. Anyway, here's, uh, here's Cuomo talking to George Stephanopoulos and the potential of a vaccine coming out soon. He doesn't seem very happy about it, oddly enough. Here he is. We were talking yesterday about the importance of vaccine distribution in the next two months. What do you make of this news? Uh, well, it's, it's good news, bad news, George. The good news is uh, the Pfizer tests look good and we'll have a vaccine shortly. The bad news is... Uh, that it's about two months before Joe Biden takes over. And that means this administration is going to be implementing a vaccine plan. Uh, you have two months and we can't let this vaccination plan go forward the way the Trump administration is designing it because Biden can't undo it two months later. We'll be in the midst of it. Uh, and I'm going, I've been talking to governors across the nation about that. Uh, how can we shape the Trump administration vaccine plan to fix it or stop it uh, before it does damage? Yeah, the only thing maybe surprising about any of this is just how utterly transparent these people are being. And Andrew Cuomo is not even trying to hide it. He does not want Donald Trump getting credit for this vaccine, does not want this coming out on, on Trump's watch. 
doesn't want it. Seems to me he would rather have people die just so Trump doesn't get the credit. Utterly transparent. And speaking of being transparent, uh, Mark Seagraves of NBC4 in Washington reports, quote, D.C. Mayor Bowser and uh, her staff attended Joe Biden's victory speech in Wilmington on Saturday. Delaware is on the mayor's list of high-risk states, which would require quarantine after returning. Bowser's staff says the trip was essential travel exempted under mayor's order. Essential travel. Going to a victory speech in another state. So you can, you know, shake hands and, and hug and celebrate. That's essential travel now. But Mayor Bowser just joins a long list of uh, Democrat mayors, and they have really all been Democrats. Democrat mayors disregarding their own rules and saying, oh, no, no, I get to, I get to be an exception to this. I, I've got to tell you, just making up the rules as they go along. Democrats with, with, with the coronavirus regulations, they remind me a lot of my own kids in, in maybe more ways than one, but they remind me of my own children or they, they remind me of children in, in general, but my own kids, you know, I play a game with them and they make up rules as they go very conveniently. Like I'm playing tag with my kids and they just decide that whatever tree they're standing next to, oh, this is base. I'm safe here. That's what the Democrats are doing with the coronavirus restrictions. They, they can say, oh, no, I, I forgot to tell you that if you're, if you're, go- oh, yeah, no, you're not supposed to travel. But if you're going to a victory speech for Joe Biden, then um, did we not put that in the rules? I meant to. We meant to put it in the rules. That's an exception. This is something that people have, liberals have, have never understood or at least have acted like they don't understand. One of the, the primary objections to the coronavirus restrictions it's, it's not just that they're onerous, though that they are, and that is an objection. But what makes it worse, what makes it untenable and intolerable, and especially tyrannical, is that they are arbitrary and that they are not consistently applied to everyone. That is the real problem. If these restrictions were put in place and everybody was expected to follow them and no exceptions were made, and we're not making exceptions for BLM rioters and people who are dancing in the streets because of uh, Joe Biden supposedly has won the presidency. And we're not making exceptions so that the mayor of Chicago can go and get her, her hair done uh, or that Nancy Pelosi can. And we're not making exceptions for Bill de Blasio in New York. Everybody follows her. I would still object, but it, it, it wouldn't be ne- nearly as oppressive. Then we would be objecting on the grounds that this is just a bad strategy. Uh, it's, you know, it's not the right way to approach this. I mean, we, we would still be strenuously objecting. But what, 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 what makes it infuriating and what makes it oppressive is the arbitrariness of it. And the double standards, triple standards, quadruple standards. The standards keep changing by the, by the second. All right, number four. If you want to see what real courage looks like, here it is. Look at this footage here. BLM protesters marching in Michigan. Um, I don't know if these are protesters now or, or revelers, if they're celebrating. I don't know. But they're, they're, they're marching. This was on, I think, Saturday. And this is what you see now. You see these diners at, at a restaurant preemptively giving the black power fist so they don't get yelled at. Uh, and, then, and then there's this old, this, this old guy here who's, I don't know what he's doing. He's raising the roof. That's not the black power symbol. He's, he's, he's raising the roof. Okay. 
a little bit behind the times with his with his gestures, but that's all right. Um, oh no, this isn't this isn't courage. I'm sorry, I used the wrong word. This is the exact opposite of courage. Also, notice how almost all these people are white here. All the people sitting at the tables, almost everyone in the crowd, all a bunch of white people. Virtue signaling by giving the black power symbol to each other. Look, I understand you don't want a, a mob descending on you when you're trying to eat your brunch or whatever you're eating. But at a certain point, you have to have a little bit of courage. Grow a little bit of a spine. Number five, checking in now with uh, the great journalistic publication Jezebel. Uh, my producer sent me this. Blame him, not me. Apparently, the new adaptation of The Witches is facing backlash because the villain has a disability. And that's, that's, a, that's a problem. The article says, Warner Brothers has apologized after receiving criticism over their depiction of Anne Hathaway's grand witch character in their new adaptation of uh, Ruol Dahl's book, The Witches. Yes, it is pronounced Ruol, by the way, not Roll. In the movie, Hathaway's character is, uh, which I just learned yesterday. I'm not going to pretend like I knew it before. In the movie, Hathaway's character is missing fingers, making it appear as though she has the limb difference ectrodactyly, commonly known as split hand. This falls into a harmful pattern of giving villainous characters physical disabilities, perpetuating the oppressive idea that people with disabilities are scary or somehow less moral than people without disabilities. The vice president of communications at RespectAbility, an organization that advocates for people with disabilities, also called out the film's decision to associate disability with evil characters, in this case, even choosing to add a limb difference that was not a part of Dahl's original story. Unfortunately, this representation in The Witches teaches kids that limb differences are hideous or something to be afraid of. What type of message does this send to children with limb differences? According to a spokesperson for Warner Brothers, the, the studio was deeply saddened that their depiction of the characters in The Witches might have upset people with disabilities. But then listen to their statement. They said, in adapting the original story, we worked with designers and artists to come up with a new interpretation of the cat-like claws that are described in the book. It was never the intention for viewers to feel that the fantastical non-human creatures were meant to represent them. Is it just me or is Warner Brothers throwing a little bit of shade here, as the kids would say? I, maybe it's wishful thinking or projection, but I'm picking up on some serious sarcasm in their, in their statement, which I like. At any rate, if this is offensive, then the penguin in Batman must be really traumatic. Though you never know with that one whether the penguin is offensive on this basis or maybe because he's appropriating from avian culture. Who really knows? But I am glad we're having this conversation because I've always been disturbed by uh, the villains who wear glasses. As a member of the visually impaired community, VIC, Vic, victim, uh, as a member of that community, and also as a member of the facial hair community, I'm extremely distressed by villains who wear glasses, have facial hair a lot of times. Um, for example, look at this, Jim Carrey's portrayal of Dr. Robotnik in the recent Hedge, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog film. Great film by any other measure. But you can see there, he's got glasses and he's got a, a mustache. And when I see this, it's almost as if the makers of the film are trying to give the impression that anyone with glasses and facial hair is probably hatching a dastardly plot to kill a magical hedgehog. This is a stereotype that I have carried with me for years. Every time I walk down the street, people are shouting like, hey, catch any hedgehogs today, you loser. Ha! And they high five each other. I run away crying. I mean, it happens every day. So I'm glad that Jezebel is calling attention to this issue. It is uh, very important. All right. Um, 
going to get to our daily cancellation in just a second. But first, uh, I want to tell you about Wondery. You know, I'm, I'm a parent of four kids. If you're a parent, you know, we'll do anything to protect our kids. Imagine you're a parent nervously pacing around your injured child's hospital room. A doctor begins asking you questions, um, you know, about how your kid got hurt. You begin to realize that they're asking about your involvement in the accident. Where were you when you fell? How did he actually fall? And then you slowly start to see that they think that you hurt your child intentionally. This is, this is something that a lot of parents have, have been through. I mean, you're going to have medical emergencies with your kids. It just, it happens. Wondery and NBC News uh, present Do, Not ha- Do No Harm, that is, the terrifying true story of a family torn apart by the system that was supposed to protect them. Investigative reporter Mike Hixenbow uh, chronicles what happens to the Bright family when their three kids are ripped away from them and the shocking moments that came after that with exclusive audio captured as the events unfolded. Do No Harm takes you inside the most harrowing moments of the Bright family's fight to protect their children. This is, this is a, just a story that is harrowing if you're a parent and, and you know, potentially relatable, but also something that uh, you need to listen to. Subscribe to Do No Harm on Apple Podcasts. You can join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app to listen uh, one week early, and you can also listen ad-free. Again, that's Do No Harm, Apple Podcasts. Join Wondery Plus and listen one week early. All right, uh, one other thing to mention before we get to our daily cancellation. Got to hit a couple notes here. If you, if you look at the election coverage, it's obvious, of course, the media has an agenda and they aren't afraid to push it. We've kept you in the loop every step of the way. We've tried to. There's a lot going on. We're trying to, we're trying to keep you up to date on it. And it's still too soon to tell who will win. So you can join Daily Wire right now. Get 25% off with code ELECTION. So you can keep up with us on all the unfolding twists and turns. There's a lot more that's going to happen in the next couple of months. And you don't want to have to rely on the media, the mass media, to tell you about it. Not only that, we have big plans for these next four years, regardless of who the president turns out to be. We've announced that Candace Owens, New York Times bestselling author, founder of the uh, Blexit Foundation, will be launching a brand new show with us early next year in Nashville, which is very exciting, as well as writing content for us over at dailywire.com. We'll also be launching an entertainment channel, a new investigative journalism team, building partnerships with like-minded content creators like PragerU, whose entire show library, by the way, is available to uh, dailywire.com by the end of the year to be available to you. Again, that's 25% off your Daily Wire membership with code election when you sign up today. Because if there's one thing 2020 has taught us, it's that anything can happen. All right, let's get to our daily cancellation. Well, today for our daily cancellation, it's going to be a bloodbath. I have to cancel a whole host of states, and it's got nothing to do with the election. This is all about side dishes. Graham Elliott, famous TV chef, posted this graphic. You can see here the most Popular Thanksgiving dishes, side dishes by state. That's the graphic. Now, I don't know where he got this information. I'm going to assume it's correct because I read it on the internet. I did try to cross-reference it, and I found the same chart uh, on the website delish.com, and I figure that's probably more fact-checking than this subject really warrants, so I'll leave it at that. Now, as you can see, the map reveals, uh, I think, a deep sickness and confusion and moral rot in our culture. Many of these states apparently do not know how to properly assemble a Thanksgiving plate. Some of the things here that are revealed are frankly shocking to me. So let's start with the positive, all right? I take no issue with green bean casserole as a favorite side, which means Texas, Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, uh, Idaho, some others, they're all safe, fine. Mashed potatoes, of course, are overrated, but they are a staple of any self-respecting Thanksgiving ensemble. So California, Nevada, uh, most of the states up there on on the Canadian border, safe from cancellation, at least today. Indiana has deviled eggs as their side dish of of choice, which 
is controversial because deviled eggs are more appropriate at Easter dinner than Thanksgiving. However, I will allow it because I am merciful. And besides, Indiana doesn't have much else going on food-wise or in any other respect, the poor things. So I won't be too hard on them. No offense if you live in Indiana. My new home, Tennessee, has sweet potato casserole as a favorite side dish. That's a perfectly fine answer. Then if you go up into the Northeast, into New England, a stuffing is the favorite side dish. By the way, this is the correct answer. Homemade stuffing with gravy is objectively the most important Thanksgiving side dish. Notice I said most important. There's a nuance here. I didn't say it's the best. I said it's the most important in that your Thanksgiving plate simply makes no sense. It's absurd if it doesn't have stuffing on it. Somebody who passes over the stuffing at Thanksgiving has immediately revealed themselves to be a degenerate and a freak. And I will tell them that to their face. And I have. And many Thanksgiving dinners have gotten off to an awkward start because of it. Now, things go off the rails, though, at this point. First, we've got all these states, Missouri, Oklahoma, others, that have rolls as their most popular side dish. Rolls? That's not a side dish. You might as well say napkins are your favorite side dish. A roll is not a proper side. Then look at Maine. Of course, these weirdos have salad. Salad. I remain convinced that nobody actually likes salad. Eating a salad is a chore. It's it's something you do to punish yourself. It's atonement. Or else it's done in a desperate attempt to virtue signal. That's why people, when they eat salad, they're always like, oh, look at me with my salad. Aren't you impressed? I mean, nobody's ever actually said that out loud when they eat salad, as far as I know, but they're thinking it. I can tell. Salad's the kind of thing that you add to your spread because you can't think of anything else because you lack culinary vision. And then nobody eats it, and you're left with 30 pounds of rabbit food that you have to go donate to a petting zoo. Have you ever in your entire life seen a Thanksgiving dinner run out of salad? Have you ever heard someone say, can you pass the salad? And then someone else says, oh, sorry, it's gone. You hear that with green bean casserole. You hear it with stuffing, cranberry sauce, yams. Hell, even roasted vegetables are going are, to run out of those eventually. Even, even the stupid, useless rolls get eaten. Never the salad. You never hear that with salad. There's always salad left over because nobody gives a damn about it. In fact, the salad is always getting pushed on you at the end. There's always sales pitches being given for the salad. You ask for another turkey leg and somebody goes, oh, those are gone, but do you want salad? No, I don't want salad, you damned lunatic. And then you've got Oregon over there with biscuits. Listen, I'm a, I'm a big biscuit fan, but biscuits don't belong on Thanksgiving. That's very strange. And half of the eastern seaboard from Maryland and Delaware on down through the Carolinas and Georgia, all claiming mac and cheese, macaroni and cheese as their favorite Thanksgiving side. I want to be clear about this, and you're not going to like it. Mac and cheese is not a Thanksgiving side for adults. It's fine for kids. Once you grow out of the phase where you're drinking out of juice boxes and eating Fruity Pebbles for breakfast, you need to be done with mac and cheese. Don't tell me your grandmother has a great recipe for it. There are no great recipes for mac and cheese. Mac and cheese is a pasta dish for people who haven't discovered that real pasta exists. It tops out at like a C plus B minus dish. I'm sorry you've fallen for your grandmother's propaganda and fake news. I'm sorry you had to hear it from me. I don't make the rules. I discern them through deep meditation and oneness with the universe. And this is simply the truth. So the southern half of the East Coast states, plus Maine, Missouri, Oklahoma, all canceled. And Alabama. Alabama has dressing as its favorite side. Dressing as a side? What are you doing in Alabama? Guzzling ranch right out of the bottle? How is that a side dish? Alabama is canceled. Half the states in the union are canceled. And they are all banned from having Thanksgiving dinners. They will not be allowed for their own good and mine. And uh, on that serious note, we are going to leave it there for today. Thanks for watching, everybody. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.
Godspeed. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, and The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Wall Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Our technical producer is Austin Stevens, edited by Danny D'Amico, and our audio is mixed by Robin Fenderson. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production, copyright Daily Wire 2020. Journos wail that Trump will not concede. Fraud turns up in swing states, and AOC threatens to leave politics. Check it out on The Michael Knowles Show. Michael Knowles Show.